Welcome to Just One Q. I'm Dr. Melissa Horn, a diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate. In this podcast, I chat with industry experts and thought leaders about the latest trends related to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Each episode, I ask one burning question tied to current events. And our goal is to leave you with the tools that you need to drive change in your own life, both personally and professionally. Uh, Before we get into today's topic, I just wanted to put it out there that if you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a topic that you want me to cover, please feel free to reach out to me. Okay, so getting into today, we know that high trust workplaces are essential for many reasons. Trust is essential for psychological safety, for creating a sense of belonging, and trust improves employee retention and engagement. And I'm sure that at one point or another, we've all been on a team where trust is high and at times on low trust teams. And for many organizations, the challenge is how do we replicate or scale trust amongst all teams? And this is critical for all the reasons I mentioned above. And so as a leader, I'm sure many of you are wondering, how do we go about doing this? So for today's burning question, I'm asking, how do you scale trust and belonging in the workplace? And to answer today's question, I'm very excited to say that I'm joined by Cecile Moulin. Cecile is the founder and CEO of Mixer, which is the only platform dedicated to scaling trust and belonging at work. So we've brought in the expert here to talk to you today. And prior to founding Mixer, Cecile had many uh, widely regarded positions and led ventures of her own, including the launch of Amazon's French subsidiary. And in addition, Cecile has served as an active board member for both public and private organizations, such as the AXA Group and Decathlon. So, Cecile, let's talk about how, and perhaps more importantly, why leaders need to think about scaling trust and belonging into their organizations. Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me today. Yes, this um, idea of scaling trust is, if you allow me, maybe I can put it into context. Why are we even doing this at Mixer? Yeah, absolutely. And, and why did we even thought about that? Scaling trust and belongings, that seems weird, no? I had a wonderful business life, okay, career, everything. Being a woman has never been an issue for me. You know, I was aware that some people had some, you know, wall, glass wall around them. I was lucky enough to never have encountered any of those glass walls up to a point where I get into a boardroom and here I am. I am the first woman on that board. I'm about 20 years younger than the guys around the table. I'm blonde, they have gray head and they come from finance. And here I am for the first time in my life, I understand what it means to be different, to be a woman in a, you know, around the table with only men and And they literally gave me the silent treatment for Mm -hmm. almost a year, like if I wasn't there. And I started to think, what is happening? Why now? What's going on here? And instead of fighting and being angry, and I decided to look into it very deeply and realized that it was a trust issue. Hmm. They didn't trust me because they were not able to vet me. They had no friends that could say they know me. They, so they didn't know me and were not even trying to get to know me. So 
suddenly I thought, okay, this is a huge piece because if companies, organizations are really serious about diversity, they need to tackle the trust issue. If they can tackle the trust issue, then people like me would be diverse, you know, compared to what they had before, mm -hmm. we would have more ways to create connection and maybe get to that trust that allow you to work with all your resources, bring everything to bring everything to the table. So working on that trust, I realized, you know, I, I started to really dig deeper and try to understand where trust come from. How do you build trust? How do you scale it? And then I came to really realize that there's just one thing that is the first building block of trust. This one thing is sharing an interest. Mm. Share an interest with you. And if I create the proper environment for you to nurture and grow that interest, then it can become a circle of trust, a small community, and this community can grow. And so I had my idea, mm -hmm. scale trust and belonging through creating a platform that would allow people to match and connect around interests and give them all the features and you know things that would help them grow community organically from the ground up so that that's the story and that's how i even get to that idea of scaling trust and belonging that's really interesting when i start to think about the preamble for the show i do a quick google search and you know how do you improve belonging in the workplace right and trust trust is there sprinkled on the page right and and yeah you could look at a ton of articles and it's like that's great. I understand that trust is essential for this. But when we have leaders, some are, you know, better at facilitating high trust teams than others, that problem of scaling becomes very real. So what you're saying, though, is that not that you can get around that, but there are other ways to build and scale trust within an organization. And that's around starting with uh, community. So yes. How is that working then? I'd love to hear about sort of how, how these communities, how do they start? How do they keep going? Because, you know, obviously in today's world, I don't know about you, but I feel busier than I ever have before. And, and we're still, you know, largely working remotely. So yeah, I would love to just sort of hear about how you sort of started this and, it, and how it's growing. So before I get to that response, I just want to mention something else about trust that I think is really interesting and important to understand for the audience. Mm -hmm. Usually, when you talk about trust in an organization, most people think about the trust between leadership and employees. That's right. what people are focusing on. You have consulting firms, a lot of people working in that specific field. What we're interested in is trust amongst co-workers. Hmm. We want them to feel that they are not alone, and we know that in the workplace in the US today, 61% of workers feel alone, 61%. That's, 
that's, that's a staggering statistic. Yes, it is a staggering statistic. So there's a, a sort of emergency to find ways to recreate connections among coworkers around something they care about. Mm -hmm. Okay. They don't have that in their teams because teams is not the, the, the energy behind creating a team is really to have defined a task that you want to accomplish. And in order to accomplish that task, you put people around the table that have a specific skill in order to fulfill that task. But there's nothing really about how do you get you know, deeper into the relationship between the people that are part of that team. So the community is something that comes from the ground up. The way it works. So let's say, let me take one or two examples so that it's yeah, really clear. Let's say um, you are onboarding new hires, okay? In this world that we're living in, you have many difficulties. First, it's still hybrid as you're, or sometimes even work from home totally, or you have so many people that you're hiring because so many people left your company mm -hmm. um, over the last few months. So onboarding people becomes really important. And you, if you have a number of um, um, people to onboard, what if you had some smaller communities, maybe a basketball communities, maybe a woman uh, with kids community, maybe LGBTQ community, maybe remote work community. Those communities are already built in your company. Mm -hmm. And as a new hire, you can go in and start creating connection with people you share interest with. And the other thing that we do at Mixer is we match and connect with your interest, but also with your location. So mm. now let's say you're again, hybrid or, you know, away from work, far enough that you can't even meet people, but maybe you have a bunch of other employees living in the same area. And maybe you still want to meet them and have some lunch or because you just work in the same company. So we do everything we can to find ways to reconnect people so that they have those human relationship mm -hmm. on top of those professional relationships. So you have onboarding, but you have many other ideas like in the healthcare industry, for example, they fighting with this big thing that they called organizational grief, okay? A lot of people that are in the healthcare industry through COVID, I, I've lost people they love. I've seen a lot of people dying around them. It's a very difficult thing to just deal with. Mm -hmm. Now imagine we have those small communities that kind of support and that you can join and talk about what happened. Same thing with the, the veterans. They all been through things that are so specific. Being together and having a, a safe space and also a brave space to mm -hmm. be in and talk about your uh, problems or challenges. So it's, it's really interesting to see this, this energy of recreating connection around very different subjects. Some companies call them ERG, 
they do have affinity groups, they have social clubs. So you have many names for that, but the bottom line is, how do we get together as human being and start to create deeper relationship? I was just thinking about how you sort of started this is, and I thought that was really interesting is that we do often think about trust as being a, a top down or within a team. And then when you think about, you know, how teams form around specific skills or maybe perhaps tackling a specific problem or working on a, a project and the way that you sort of highlighted that, you know, there are, there are connections insofar as that we need to work together for a specific task, but beyond that, there may not be that sort of shared interests. I mean, we all can find stuff, but the idea that um, scaling isn't just sort of within these silos or these pillars throughout an organization is that you can start to sort of, I'm making hand gestures that people can't see, but that you sort of create these webs and, and interconnectivity, which is very different than the sort of top-down siloed approach, which I think is really interesting and gets to that problem of, of scale uh, as well. I love what you're just saying, because the way we think about it at Mixer is we think about, you know, the, the organization need two types of energy in order to be able to function. You need structure, you need, you know, ability to decide quickly, you need kind of organization around that. But you also need creativity, innovation, experiences that you can share. And the way we look at what we do compared to, you know, tools that everybody knows like Microsoft Team or Slack, the way we look at Slack and Microsoft Team, we look at them as productivity tools and we need them. It's very mm -hmm. important to have those because they give it structure. It allows, you know, it facilitates communication and stuff like that. We still need that. But what we need to do is create space for another energy to be created. And this one is organic. It comes from the ground up. It's organized around ex shared experiences. It's all about creating this, you know, a human connection harder to define that really create the magic of life. Mm -hmm. This is, you need both. You need the community energy and the productivity energy in order to be functioning properly. And if, if you allow me to add one other thing that I see yeah, is please. really important is the speed of change, okay? Okay. Change being continuous and going quicker and quicker because of all the tools and the connectivity we have, it's going quicker and quicker. So it's destroying as quick as it is creating and it goes faster and faster. The way I'm looking at workplaces and DEI is if you keep on doing only structure from the top down, you're going to break the organization. The organization is going to break because it goes too fast and leadership cannot make all the decisions for the organization. They mm -hmm. need their, the help and the support and the smart and the creativity of all their employees. So allowing for those communities 
to be created is giving the, the soft, it's giving the space for other interesting ideas and practices to be created. There's an example that I love. Let's say you have a veteran group in your mm -hmm. organization, okay? It's a big organization, you have this veteran group, and one day you decide you wanna create a specific service or a specific product dedicated to veterans. Yesterday, you would have go to a marketing firm, research firm, and you would have done, you know, all the, the groundwork and, you know, it would have been all coming from the head. Today, you can go to your veteran groups. The management can sit down with them. Those veterans can come from anywhere in the organization. They can be VP, they can be assistant somewhere, they can be engineer, sales, marketing. They're here because they want to be here. Okay. And you go to them and you say, yeah, you know, I would like to create this product or these services dedicated to you guys. Can you help? And then suddenly you have a bunch of guys that went through the exact same experiences can get together and say, yeah, I know what we need because we are in it. Mm -hmm. So what I love about the, the energy of community is that it is really about creating those very human connections, meaningful connections, but it's also about bringing a different, it's another way for the organization to tap into the resource of the employees. And they like it because they've, they've been asked at a different level. It's not mm -hmm. about you being seated on the team and doing things because you paid for it. It's you contributing to your own community by creating something they really need. The more I dig into the power of community, the mm -hmm. more I'm amazed by what you can do with it and how it can you know, inform leadership and help leadership to make the right decisions. Yep. And because of this change going quicker and quicker, you need that. It's a, it's a very important counterbalance that mm -hmm. the leadership need. They're coming with amazing ideas. I think that's really interesting. I remember when we first chatted this idea that change both creates and destroys things. And I just, I thought, I just think that's a really interesting thing because if we're constantly changing and the organization isn't sort of feeding back information to it, there is a way that we can sort of, you know, not that we don't want to, we, obviously we want to change, but we have to have something um, supporting that change and pushing it forward as well. You know, and I think a lot of folks who get into DEI and they want to, they're looking at how do we do this better, you know, having communities that they can go out to and say, what do you need? These are areas of focus. And I love that it taps into that bottom up energy as well. So that it's not just that leadership is saying, okay, this is what we're doing with at the organization, but we want to hear from you and groups that already have affinity with one another groups that are already talking about these things are involved as well. And so it's, you know, co-creating as, as they go along. I think that's a really, really interesting way of approaching these problems and is, I guess, and really is gets to that uh, question of, of how do you scale trust to improve feelings of inclusion and belonging at work is that, you know, you tap into these groups already. And I love this definition of 
diversity and inclusion, where diversity would be you being invited to the party and mm -hmm. inclusion being you being invited to dance. Okay, so if we accept this idea, diversity is really coming from top down. This mm -hmm. is leadership that wants to invite you to the party. But then if you want to dance, you need inclusion. And the way I'm looking at community is that it allows for inclusion to be alive in the organization. People, mm -hmm. anyone can actually do something about it. And, and I really like this idea of party and dancing, because if you're invited to the party, but you cannot dance, this is very frustrating. Now with communities, you can dance. You can decide you want to join the dance. That's a really, really interesting and a great metaphor to sort of, you know, and I think you're right. Absolutely. You know, that, that diversity piece. And I think that's, again, the other thing that people often say is that, okay, we're bringing in all these diverse hires, but we can't, we can't keep diverse hires. The problem is without inclusion, you know, what is diversity, right? Without people feeling like they belong within an organization, without the mechanisms to support inclusions within an organization. No, you can't keep diverse hires because that's a reality. People want to be where they feel like they belong, where they feel like they have a say and where, you know, where they feel that there's safe. trust and safe. Yeah, Absolutely. Safe. I think, I think it's also about safety and, you know, there's one thing that I, is really dear to my heart is I, and, and, um, I think it's a very important conversation as distrust is pretty much everywhere outside. Mm -hmm. Okay. The organization. And, and it's very important that inside the organization, we do everything we can to recreate trust mm -hmm. at every level possible because trust, what it does for you as a human being, when you feel trusted, you can access all your resources. There's no filter. You can really give the best and you have fun doing it. And then when you go back home, you had a good day and, or even if it's behind the screen, but you still had a good day and you can bring that to your family. So it's very important because if we have more people that feel that way in the organization. It's a huge leverage to recreate trust from the inside out. Yep. And so I think it's, it's just, this subject is amazingly important. Absolutely. And one that I think I could keep talking about forever and ever, but I know that we're sort of coming up on our time today. And I just, I have to thank you so much, Cecile, for giving us so much to think about Thinking about trust is not just a top-down endeavor and that, you know, that that is one, one way to go about it, but also that to really scale trust that it has to um, come from the bottom up and be co-created by employees throughout the organization. I know that Cecile, you, you know, you have a lot to say on the subject. So if you're really interested in following Cecile and keeping up with her, you can see her on LinkedIn and we'll put her um, link in the show notes. Um, and if you want to learn about all things Mixer, you can follow them on LinkedIn and Instagram or visit uh, the website at www.mixer.net to learn more and to book a demo. And again, we'll have all of this contact information um, with the show notes. And so, um, Cecile, I cannot thank you enough for joining me today and for sharing your perspective. It was uh, wonderful. 
Thank you so much, Melissa, for having me. And I just want to say that we just published a, a white paper, if you're interested, about trust. So maybe I can also send you the link if you want yeah, to absolutely. give it a look. Uh, and that would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll include the link for uh, the white paper in the show notes as well. And for everyone who tuned in, thank you again for joining me on Just One Q. As always, if you have any of your own questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And until next time, I'm Dr. Melissa Horn, and this has been Just One Q.